0: Hello and welcome to the Media Business Podcast, brought to you by Media Business Insight, the publisher of Broadcast and Screen International. I'm Alice Redman, media researcher at Broadcast Commissioner Index, the platform delivering up-to-date information about the programme needs of UK and US commissioners. Today we are listening to a session from the Edinburgh TV Festival 2019, sponsored by the Commissioner Index, with the Director of Programmes at Channel 4, Ian Katz. Katz says he now feels that Channel 4's programme is no longer middle of the road and is instead bumping against the kerb. Interviewed by Anita and Nad, the controller talks about the broadcaster's ongoing Nations and Regions push and the subsequent relocation, as well as programmes he thinks summarise Channel 4's attitude to programming. Towards the end of the session, Katz brings out his dream team of commissioners, Caroline Hollick, head of drama, Fatima Salaria, head of specialist factual, and Al Flory, head of factual entertainment. So
1: you were appointed on October the 31st, 2017. That happens to be Halloween. Uh, do you think you've been a trick or a treat? For the channel so far, uh, uh,
2: I think I'll have to leave it for others to decide whether it was a trick or a treat. Um, it's certainly, been a treat for me.
1: You said last year I, I heard you speaking uh, on this very stage, I think, and you said one of your big priorities was to ensure that people were talking
2: about Channel Four.
1: Um, are they talking about Channel Four, and are they doing it for the right reasons? Do you think?
2: I think so. I think. Probably Channel 4 has made more waves in the last six months or so than in many other whole years. We started the year with the fantastic um, Brexit drama by James Graham. I can't remember a time that the channel felt more relevant and in the thick of the national conversation. Then we had um, the amazing Leaving Neverland from Dan Reed, which completely shattered Michael Jackson's legacy. We just recently had the Cricket World Cup final and... Channel 4 is the centre of the conversation again. We've just this last few weeks had this extraordinary documentary series, Jade, which absolutely speaks to this moment of reflection on reality TV, the nature of celebrity. And I feel like we're going into Edinburgh with a bunch of really interesting arguments about some of the shows we've just announced, whether it's The Tribe Next Door with Scarlett Moffat's family going to a, Small Village in Namibia, or The Surgery, our show about uh, cosmetic surgery, or Paul Dacre's uh, uh, documentary series. And I I suppose what I feel is that I I I think the channel has been fantastically strong in recent years, but if one criticism could be laid against it, it might be that it drove quite close to the middle of the road, and I think we are now bumping against the curbs in really interesting, exciting
1: ways. I mean, you've raised a lot of things that we're going to go into in more depth. You can also ask questions of Ian, if you like. I'm sure you know how to do this by now. You've probably been here for hours and hours. Uh, There is an app. There is a button. Press the button, ask the question, and we will try and get to it. But uh, let's, first of all, I think it'd be really good to start with a look at some of the programmes that have defined Channel 4 this year. I wanted to pick up on something you said before we went. Into, into that montage. Uh, when you got the job, you talked about dialling up the difference. If I remember you said you are making waves in the pond. And just before we went into the clip, you said if we're guilty of anything, it was being in the middle of the road, and now we're going to kick the curves. Why such a time lag between doing what you said you were going to do last year then?
2: Well, I don't think it is a great time lag, actually. I mean, I think there are shows in there, in that reel that had been on air this year, that are delivering on what I was talking about. I think there couldn't be a better example, I think, than Brexit delivering a, a drama about the livest political issue in the country that lands slap bang in the middle of the political crisis. It was probably the first thing I commissioned in my first month at Channel 4, and we had it on air mm. the following January. Um, But But, but
1: in in your own words, you said, you know, we could have done more if we were guilty of something. It was being too much in the middle.
2: Well, to be honest, I was talking about the last few years of Channel 4. I mean, I think when I came, my feeling was this is an incredibly successful, slick channel, but it's a little bit safe.
1: Okay. Um, We heard Alex Mahon in, in 2018 saying that there had been a mixed linear performance. And long-running shows like Bake Off, Gogglebox, 24 Hours and Custody, Grand Designs, they all do very, very well. They have done very well. Other titles haven't done so well. Is it a, a fair criticism to say that you're too reliant on the big old brands?
2: Well, look, it, it's, it's, a, it's a reality of, of, of the, the TV landscape at the moment that it's hard for everyone to launch new brands. And it's a fabulous problem to have that some of our established titles are incredibly robust, and we have uh, done quite a bit to some of them creatively to renew and refresh them, so that brands like SAS we added to women Who, and that's really taken off. We added uh, a celebrity Gogglebox this year that's been fantastically successful. We've got uh, a new version of the island coming up with Treasure. So I'm delighted that those shows are doing so well. But I also think we've got a whole raft of new shows uh, that have started to come through on screen and we had uh, only this week, last week, Call the Cops, a really exciting new police access show which I think has got great, uh, won its slot for Young's on its first outing, has got great potential as a returner. We had Flirty Dancing at the top of this year which I think is an absolutely standout show that we doubled down on and is coming back um, in numbers. We, we had a documentary series on Prison that rated really well and we doubled down on We've got a terrific new Joe Lycett uh, consumer entertainment show. Joe Lycett, it's got your back. That, that, that we've doubled down on. I come back all of those, and then I think in the shows that we've started to announce in the last few weeks, and, and here in, in Edinburgh, there are several contenders for shows that will be coming back. I think mm. for years to come. There's a wonderful new, crazy, uh, literally crazy. It's called Crazy Delicious competitive cooking show with an edible set from Sarah Lazenby, which I'm incredibly excited about.
1: I know, I, know, um, I mean, being a controller is, of course, a very collaborative thing, but if I opened a newspaper and I looked at a typical week and a typical Channel 4 schedule, which are the Ian Katz fingerprints that I'm going to find, which are specifically, you know, your reflection in the schedule?
2: Well, look, I, I came into this job really keen to empower my commissioning editors to appoint great people and to give them their heads and to put the programs that they really wanted to make on TV. So I don't really want to be identifying my fingerprints on shows. I'm really, really proud of the team we've assembled. And I think their imprint is coming through on the schedule that you can see now. I mean, there are shows that I particularly love, like Brexit we talked about, um, like the show that Alfie's going to talk about a little, uh, in a moment, The Tribe Next Door. Um, Some of that comedy I've really loved, like Staff is one of my favourite shows. I
1: mean, you sound like a lovely collaborative boss there. But, I mean, I just just wonder, before you go to bed at night and you look at something on the TV and you go, that's mine, that is, I did that, which is the one that you... I mean, just between us, no-one's listening. I mean, which is it?
2: Well, I think Brexit... Uh, but as I say, Brexit was about my first commission in the door um, and um, I'm I'm very proud of that. That's probably, that, that's a really clear indication of where I would like the channel to be.
1: I know it's it's hard to believe but people do have a loan uh, here in Edinburgh when you're wandering around. And when uh, people heard that I was talking to you, um, Indies came up sort of surreptitiously and they said, you know what, can you just ask him, Why doesn't he love us anymore, the smaller indies? You know, the the commissions go to some of the big houses, but the little ones feel a little bit neglected by you. Are they right to feel that way?
2: Well, I'd be really sad if they did feel that, because um, one of the things that I've felt most strongly about is that we need to be the place that indies most want to come with their ideas, which is why last year at Edinburgh I launched a thing called The Creative Contract, which talked about how we wanted to work with indies, more collaboratively. And in fact, the move that you talked about a bit in your introduction to Nations and Regions, not just Leeds, as you said, but, but Glasgow and Bristol, is all about putting our commissioners closer to the Indies all around the country, many of whom are the smaller Indies that you're talking about. So we are really trying to reach out and to work in a more collaborative, open way with lots of Indies, and if we are not yet succeeding with all of them, I would say, bear with us.
1: Yeah. But what if you're going backwards? I mean, I was looking at your own annual report, and it says the number of producers you worked with across the UK fell by 11%. That's your own annual report, says that. Yeah. So it's not, it's not a perceived sad. It's if like they're sad, they may no, have that, a reason. No, but, there are,
2: but there are, there are um, structural things happening there. So part of that was about us doing less um, pure online commissioning there had been a period when Channel 4 was commissioning a lot of online shows from more producers, and actually we're now in a mode where we're trying to commission shows that work on linear and digital, and therefore we're just commissioning from mm. fewer independents.
1: Well, I mean, there were some real barnstormers in, in that montage, and you know, many things that I enjoyed. Some really big successes in drama. Uh, Kiri, Catch-22, you've spoken about the virtues. Um, Programmes like The First and Chimerica, they did not do well at all. When you look back on them, can you find reasons why and lessons learned?
2: Yeah, I think there are good lessons. Um, I I think if you look at a show like The First, which is the um, Sean Penn um, uh, story about um, a Mars mission, it was a co-production with Hulu, long predates, predates me arriving in the channel, but a really classy... Classy piece of work with, obviously, big star Hollywood production values, but very unrelatable, I think, to a British audience. And I think possibly born of a moment where lots of British broadcasters were thinking the way that we can compete in this very uh, challenging drama market is to uh, co-produce with big American uh, broadcasters or streamers. And, and I think that was probably an example of a show where that desire to produce something really glossy um, got in the way of thinking about um, what really connected with the British audience. Mm.
1: I know from your Twitter feed, um, you really like Dairy Girls. I mean, you, you tweet about it a lot, and it is uh, exceptionally good. That gets a very, very big tick. Um, particularly when it comes to diverse and new talent. And that was something that you were talking about with your proliferation of hubs around the country. Tell me a little bit more about, you know, how you are actively going out now and seeking these things. How do you do it? Seeking? New, fresh talent, locally produced, made in Britain kind of stuff. Right.
2: Well, I mean, obviously that, that is the underlying drive for the opening of the, 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 the regional bases. The, the hope is that out of this, we will get to. You mentioned Dairy Girls, the Dairy Girls is all over the country. The stories that are profoundly locally resonant but have a sort of universality that, 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 that grips us all to get to new talent, to get to new stories. But I think if you look at what we're doing across the slate, if you look, for instance, at entertainment, where in the last year we've brought on the Big nasty show and out of that the Gilligan show at the Tez show that we 've just had on uh, uh, in, in entertainment across all of our genres we 're looking to have a new um, injection of, of talent. Uh, our factual teams have just launched a, a new uh, talent search and we 've had i think an incredibly exciting new selection of faces in factual we 've got um, fabulous series from Jamali Maddox coming up shortly. Uh, we've got a fantastic show by uh, Chidera Aguirre, uh called Bring Back the Bush, seeking to uh, reignite Britain's enthusiasm for pubic hair. Um, uh, we've just uh, commissioned in, in comedy lady parts from Nida Mansour, about a, um, a Muslim women punk band. Mm. So I think you're starting to really see the new faces. Particularly the diverse faces across the slate.
1: I mean, the, the Big Nasty is one of the the, the big successes. Uh, was it a mistake to put it on so late?
2: Not at all. I mean, I opened up the eleven o'clock slot precisely so that we could take risks and try people out in a relatively safe place where shows would not instantly be called a failure if they if they did three or four hundred thousand. But my my aim was always to find talent there that we could migrate into other parts of the schedule. So out of the Big Nasty Show came the latest show with Mo Gilligan, which we ran at 10 Mm. o'clock.
1: The Circle, shall we? Um, Now, I know what you're going to say. I do know. I've got a feeling I know you're going to say that it did very well on all four huge 16 to 34 profile. Was it a mistake to put it on the main channel, though?
2: No, I don't think so. I mean... Look, it was, the, it was the youngest profiling show on any PSB last year, which I think is, is a really encouraging thing. And if you look at the history of some of the biggest shows around, like Love Island, they started similar size to um, The Circle, also very young profiling, and then the, channel, the challenge has been to broaden out the audience to other demographics. So this year, we've, we've really doubled down on The Circle. It'll be a bigger show. It'll have more live... Elements, it'll have broader casting, and I'm really confident it's gonna come back much bigger and better. Okay,
1: well, if you want to ask questions about uh, any square the circle, if you like, uh, you know how to do it, go to the app. I'd like to see some quick fire questions, if that's all right with you, against the clock, if that's okay with you. Um, 15 questions in three minutes or less, so you are going to have to be brief. You may recognize the music. Is there a prize? Of course not. This we like to call All of Cats Does Countdown. You see what we did there. Uh, Cue the music. So, favourite TV show of the past year that wasn't on Channel 4?
2: Harry's Heroes.
1: You're stranded on a desert island. Are you going to take a box set or a box of books? A box of what? Books or a box set? A box set? If you weren't in TV, what would you be doing?
3: watching watching watching
1: fantasy dinner party guest dead or alive
3: 3 um,
2: uh James Joyce
1: what is the biggest lie told about you
2: um it says on my wikipedia page that i started my career as a journalist in costa rica
1: which of these channel 4 shows would you rather be on naked attraction first dates or the circle the circle <laughs> three words you would use to describe yourself
2: um interesting warm uh, fair
1: what's your biggest fear
2: this interview Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) the one program that got away
2: killing Eve Uh,
1: tell me Netflix friend or phone
2: both depends on the day
1: If you could be any character in a TV show in all of history, who would it be?
2: God. Um, Seinfeld.
1: If you were on Bake Off, what would be your showstopper?
2: I'd do a really good garlic tart. But I'm not sure you can be tart.
1: And finally, uh, your favorite TV theme tune? Countdown. They wanted me to ask you if you know how to sing it and would you like to? No. You, know, <laughs> you owe me five pounds. Uh, okay, right. Uh, let us now talk about the, the big one, shall we? The creation of Leeds as the nation, National HQ, uh, creative hubs in Glasgow and Bristol. This is the biggest change in Channel 4's history. How much of your life is filled with excitement and dread fear at the moment?
2: Oh, it's overwhelmingly excitement now. I mean, I think we've done a lot of the tough parts of this, um, which has been working out which roles we want to move. Um, and we're into the really exciting bit now. We have spent uh, the last few months hiring into the roles in the, in the uh, national offices, and I'm incredibly excited by the sort of people um, we've been attracting. So we've got as our head of uh, our Glasgow hub, Joe Street, who's one of the most... Respected commissioners around. She's our, going to be our head of daytime and head of head of Glasgow. Uh, we've got Sasha Murzov, who's a fantastic uh, documentary maker and a passionate, passionate advocate for Bristol, who's going to be our head of hub in Bristol. Fabulous squaw Martha Lloyd, the S4C drama commissioner who's responsible for a lot of the sort of Welsh noir hits like Keeping Faith. Um, he's going to be our, our scripted commissioner in Bristol and terrific uh, appointments in Leeds. You're going to see Caroline Hollick in a second, who's our head of drama, who's now based in Leeds. So I think we've, we've already got um, an extraordinary calibre of people coming in, and we've got roles with real uh, weight and decision-making influence. The challenge over the next six months is going to be actually figuring out how to work Integrated commissioning teams that are spread over four locations. How how do meetings actually look? How do we when do we all see each other? Yeah,
1: are, are you irritated with this? This it sort of almost feels like a perpetual uh, narrative that senior executives are not moving to London from London to Leeds?
2: No, I think it's a fair. I think it's a fair challenge. Um, I think that I mean the reality is um, the larger part of my commissioning team is still going to be in london i'm going to have to be across all our bases some of the time i'm going to be travelling every week um both alex and i will be travelling every week um kelly weblam my deputy will be um, somewhere most weeks so i think there'll be plenty of of coverage uh, at our level but you know we've got a lot of really senior people as i said we've got Uh, Heads of commissioning departments, we've got the wonderful Sinead Rocks, our managing director in Leeds, who's a a fantastically uh, dynamic and inspiring figure. We're going to have a very senior figure running our digital operation, the um, digital creative unit in Leeds. Mm. So there won't be a shortage of of senior figures.
1: But it's true to say that most Channel 4 staff would rather take redundancy than move. Um, What does that tell you?
2: I'm not sure what it tells you. I mean, one of, one of the, I mean, if I can just talk about my world, which is the commissioning bit, one of the problems that we've got is that commissioning editors' jobs are senior jobs that people get to quite late in their careers, by which time they've generally got family, often got kids, and they're quite embedded. It's much harder for them to move. If we had a wider population uh, in commissioning of you 20 know, somethings uh, who were single and unencumbered, I think we'd have lots more movers. But we have got some people moving, and by the way, as I've said before, if, if, if we had 50 or 60% of people going, you'd be asking me why we aren't hiring more local talent.
1: I'm just going to read you, I mean, this is, this is not from me, this is from Leeds Live, the website. Um, so just, I'm just really interested to hear what you, you think of what they are saying, in Leeds. Channel 4 choosing Leeds for its new HQ was a huge win for the city. We proved ourselves a developing, tech-savvy, creative, blossoming city that would be a perfect northern home for a major broadcaster. So you can understand why the news that most Channel 4 staff were chasing redundancy instead of relocating was such a kick in the teeth.
2: I just haven't encountered that view at all. I'm in Leeds a lot and I just as I talk to the Leeds indies, I talk to civic people in, in, in Leeds who've been involved in, in the bid. That is just not what we're hearing. What we are hearing is universal enthusiasm about what the arrival of Channel 4 is gonna do for the city, for the area, excitement about the fact that, that Indies are opening offices there, that Pact has moved up there. I just, I, I just don't think that's a, a duck that really flies.
1: Okay. Um- I can only imagine because I've never had such a lofty position and never will. But commissioning um, meetings, I can imagine, is a little bit like Herding Cats, C-A-T-S. Um, how are you going to manage this? I mean, you sort of touched on this a little bit. That you, this is the big challenge. Glasgow, Bristol, Creative Hubs, Leeds. You know, How, how are you going to... Just let us in on a bit of the thinking of what you might be doing.
2: I was going to say, maybe we could do this in next year's meeting. <laughs> i actually give you an answer. Um, look, we're going to have to be really creative. We're trying to learn at the moment from organizations that do operate across split locations. Um, fortunately, my boss, Alex, has run a business across multiple locations so knows a bit about this. But we we are investing in video conferencing, uh, unsurprisingly. I mean, you work at the BBC. You'll have been in the same meetings that I used to be in in my old life at the BBC, where you would frequently have um, Manchester, um, Glasgow, Cardiff all on teleconferenced into the same meetings. We're going to have to get used to doing a lot of that. We already have uh, our head of sport and our head of drama based in Leeds who are now regularly teleconferenced into our meetings. And we're just trying to work out what the right rhythm of actual physical connection is because it can't all be uh, technology. We are all going to have to get together some of the time. So Mm. we're working out, is that going to be in London some of the time, in Leeds some of the time? but we're learning and we're, mm. we're figuring
1: that out. There are moments in life where I wish I wore spectacles because I would move them down to the end of my nose and look over the top and say, please, uh, Ian Katz, will you give us a definite opening day for Leeds?
2: Um, I should know the answer to this. It's, it's October. October. Oh. I should say, by the way. Oct-
1: oct- hang on, October which year?
2: No, no, no we'll be up and running. Look, we are up and running. I, I, you can talk to Caroline about it in a second. Caroline is in an office in Leeds right now, but we have got a kind of... Um, uh, uh, we've got a t- temporary space in an office right now, and imminently we're going to move into another office in Leeds, for, this is all very boring, for a year, while we uh, revamp the Majestic, which is the old nightclub uh, in Leeds, which is going to be our permanent base, but not for a year's time. But we, will be, we are up and running in Leeds right now. We will have uh, a number of commissioners up and running in Leeds, in the autumn.
1: Mm. Uh, This is the bit where we open up to the audience. And uh, let's start with this one. Is Channel 4 running scared of other channels? You're scheduling chops and changes so frequently. Is this deliberate on a weekly basis to get viewers from anonymous?
2: Well, look, the the, the reality is that um, we are a smaller channel than BBC One and ITV and Channel 4, Channel 5 and BBC 2 have always had to counter-schedule. Um, if, I, if, if, if you were a producer of a drama uh, and you'd made that for me and I scheduled it against double drama, you'd be absolutely furious at me. I'm sure you'd much rather that I chopped and changed a bit and found uh, a day I could run it when I was not running it against drama elsewhere. So we do have to duck and dive a bit to get a clear run and avoid Louis Theroux.
1: Um,
2: <laughs> But, um, I think
1: you've done really well. Louis Theroux is probably berating you, you've taken half his audience, so don't worry about really it. Boring. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But but um really boring. But what we're trying to do despite that is to, is to establish a reasonable degree of predictability about what you can expect in the Channel 4 schedule at, every, uh, at any point. So for instance, Friday nights now are a really big entertainment night on Channel 4. You know you'll get probably Gogglebox into Last Leg, into one of our late shows. Um, Soon you'll have flirty dancing at eight o'clock to Sunday night is a night we often do sort of big specialist factual or drama and and over the next year or so you'll see, I hope, a bit more predictability there.
1: Um, The cousin of Anonymous, Anon, has asked, "Uh, it's going round that Channel 4 only want broad family sitcoms now, is this true? What are you looking for in comedy?
2: Uh, no, it's not true that we only want broad family sitcoms, but it is true that we want broad family sitcoms because the, the, the thing about comedy is that a lot of comedy does not do huge ratings. This is not a Channel 4 thing. You'll see that across the board. So, and, But it's very expensive. All scripted television is very expensive. And the way that we can make the economics of comedy work are to have shows that will really have an enduring life on our digital platform on, on, on all four. So if you look at last year, for instance, seven out of the 10 top shows on uh, all four were comedies. And, and, and that were, they were heavily dominated by some of our old shows that have done brilliantly in the archive, shows like The Inbetweeners, Friday Night Dinner, um, now Dairy Girls, which is a, is a big staple. So I am very keen to find the next generation of those shows that'll be enduring hits, um, broad, enduring shows. But we're also doing incredibly spiky comedy. Um, I mean, no one could accuse us of, of, you know, we've just had, we've got now Stathon, which is a wonderful, quirky comedy. Uh, We did The Bisexual last year. We did um, Will Sharp's Fabulous Flowers. Um, None of those were what you would call broad sitcoms. They were just wonderful, quirky edgy pieces of comedy.
1: Um, I have to tell you, I I was at Ben for um, thing yesterday, and you've already surpassed the number of questions. A a tough crowd here. The app is melting. Thank you for your questions. Uh, How do you measure the performance of a programme, Ian Katz, asks Suzanne.
2: Um, Well, I was in in an interesting panel yesterday where everyone was talking about how relevant the overnights are. So obviously, the overnights are not irrelevant, but they're a starting point. uh, Jeff Watchtel from, from NBC last night, yesterday had this interesting comparison he said they're becoming more like the opening weekend of the release of a film, I think that's a very good um, analogy so we look at a whole bunch of things we, we look at the overnights, we're we we very interested in Channel 4 and in Young share, so we, we're interested in how things perform uh, with Young's we are very interested in uh, our VOD performance because we recognise that in the longer term that's where we've got to drive growth, that's our priority. And we do have some shows that are relatively modest on linear, but actually go gangbusters. You mentioned the circle earlier uh, on all four. And that makes sense to us because actually, um, you know, we get the same value out of a pair of eyeballs on all four to what we get on channel four. Mm.
1: Uh, this here, uh, do you fear channel five? Do you respect Channel 5, says Chris, who, in all certainty, works for Channel 5?
2: <laughs> um, I, I, I hugely admire Channel 5, um, uh, which is one of the reasons why we hired the wonderful Sean Doyle, who's one of the smartest, who was one of the most smartest commissioners there, and is now our deputy uh, head of features. Um, and we actually um, reclaimed... Uh, Another Sean, Sean Collins, who's our, our Channel Four commissioner from Channel Five. I, I'm hugely admiring of um, what they do with a relatively modest budget. Um, I think, and, and so I, I think they're extremely good at um, delivering audiences on a modest budget. And I think that what Ben has done around uh, experimenting with low cost drama has been really bold and interesting, and a really interesting response to a market where we all just sit around moaning about how expensive scripted is.
1: Uh, Let's talk a bit more about uh, digital diversity and the future. Uh, 2018, all four had its best year. Is revenue keeping up with ratings?
2: Yes. um, uh, uh, Revenue growth on all four has outstripped revenue growth in the the broadcast pod market consistently. there is, a, there is a, a lag, I think, to how quickly the market is moving their advertising spend from linear into VOD. But we are very encouraged by the, by the growth that we've seen in our VOD revenues.
1: Um, when you have all four uh, as such a big consideration, how is that affecting your commissioning strategy on the main channel?
2: so it's absolutely central to it so any show that we look at as a contender we think about obviously if it's a recommissioning decision we make it with the all four data in front of us but if it's an original commission one of the questions we'll be asking is 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 this the kind of show that's going to work on all four so there are some shows that we need to have in the schedule because they Make, make the linear schedule work that we know aren't going to work on all four. But in general, we're looking for shows that will prosper on, on both platforms. And as we move into a more multi-platform world and invest in, in social output, when we move to Leeds with a digital creative unit and our new team service, we'll be thinking about content that works across all those platform, platforms.
1: Mm. Um, you're giving away some secondary rights in return for better deals on catch-up. I mean, when you, do, when you do your checklist for a commissioning, uh, session. I, I, I guess th- what people want to know is what is number one, number two, number three on your list before you say yes to the person in the chair in front of you?
2: Look, number one is always, is it a, a drop-dead, thrilling, engaging, fresh idea? So cr- cr- creative excitement It's always going to be the first question. Is it going to rate? What do we think its prospects are? Is it, has, has it got a prospect of coming back? Is it something that might return at scale? Is it going to be just a modest contribution as a one-off? Um, is it going to make noise? Is it going to be channel-defining in some interesting way? Is it going to change the way people think about something? I only answer the top the
1: three. This is- I'm still going. <laughs> um, um, let's talk about E4. Uh, you're losing viewers on E4. Why? Young well, viewers, especially.
2: Well, a few. I mean, E4 is slightly down on Young's year-to-date, which I think is pretty amazing, actually, given the scale of Love Island. Um, but we recognised, when, when I started at, at Channel 4, that, that E4 was an area that needed investment and needed um, a kind of higher degree of focus which is why I went out and hired Carl Warner sitting there in the front row, who some of you in this room will know is a man not short of energy. Um, and he has arrived like a tornado in the building um, and upped the sort of metabolic rate of E4 by about um, 200%. So Carl has uh, just recently outlined his plans for E4, which are incredibly exciting, and we've put another £10 million of investment into it. But I think actually its performance this year is very encouraging.
1: What about BAME viewers across the channels? Because the numbers seem to suggest that you're losing BAME viewers. Um, What do you put that down to?
2: Well, last year, across the portfolio, uh, our BAME viewing was down by 6%, I think. Um, And we absolutely felt that 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 was an area we, we needed to do more that resonated with diverse audiences. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we've commissioned some of the shows we were talking about a few minutes ago. What's really encouraging w- is when you look at the numbers this year, year-to-date on Channel 4, we're 7% up on, on BAME uh, viewing. So I think you're starting to see the impact coming through of the commissioning decisions that we've made.
1: That D- diversity matters, if anyone who was in the McTaggart lecture, so Dorothy, I know you're here. Hello, Dorothy, somewhere. Um, Diversity is important. It matters to you, I know it does. 89% of your shows met guidelines on and off screen last year. That's a new record. Uh, but last year found that Channel 4 had, let me quote, the poshest staff working for it. Um, may I ask, as a fairly posh, Oxford-educated guy yourself, um, how, how do you respond to this? And what Dorothy said yesterday.
2: Well, obviously, I agree with everything that. Dorothy says... It it is
1: safer to do that, I find. Always.
2: I'm just grateful not to have been outed as either a sex pest or ignorant about menopause. Um, But, um, no, I thought Dorothy's points were great. But I think, to be fair, I think Dorothy was making wider points about the industry. As an an industry, we manifestly need to do much, much better. I mean, that figure that she quoted yesterday of 2%, I think it was, 2% of directors being... BAME is is utterly shameful. Um, I feel that at Channel 4, we have made and are making quite significant progress. I think, for me, one of the key things is our team and how representative our team is. And the Channel 4 commissioning team is now representative of the makeup of the country, certainly on ethnicity. Um, On air, the data says that we are representative of the country, the areas that we are now really trying to put an added focus on are making sure that our shows are actually authentically portraying the lived experiences of people, rather than simply um, by numbers representing the, 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 the proportions of people in the country. Almost the Dairy Girls question: Does, it, does this actually resonate with, a, with the community? And then looking at our biggest shows and, and the presentation of that shows and looking at how representative that is, because that's not good enough. And That's where we are focusing effort.
1: It's 40 years since Jeremy Isaacs um, gave the McTaggart and launched his vision for Channel 4. And he said he wanted to cater for minorities and said, everyone will watch some of the time. Is Channel 4 still living in that spirit and as relevant now?
2: Well, oddly enough, perhaps luckily, I just reread that McTaggart lecture um, a few weeks ago, realizing it was exactly 40 years. By the way, one of the most interesting things about that lecture is Jeremy said that Channel 4 should definitely be called ITV2, which makes you wonder a bit about how this conversation might have played out. He'd be talking about Love Island. Um, But I, I, I think the striking thing about that speech is given that it was responding to a completely different set of circumstances, essentially a massive shortage of choice, the recipe that he came up with that became the kind of blueprint for Channel 4, as you say, catering fund, catering for minorities, producing more for young people, offering a full spectrum of debate, something for everyone some of the time, no one all of the time I think was the phrase, Um, feels incredibly relevant today, at, at a moment that the country is more um, dislocated, there are more disenfranchised feeling people. Um, and in a way, the, fa- the fact that we're now responding to a superabundance of choice rather than an absence of choice has ended up with, I think, the same correct response, which mm. is that we have to be a stronger flavour. We have to be a f- flavour that people instantly know and can tell from the noise. and we'll trust.
1: Is it always going to matter, though, because we are in the age of the streamers after all, aren't we?
2: Look, the streamers are absolutely going to be a fact of our lives. And I've got four kids. I watch them growing up, and I recognise that the streamers are almost their water and electricity. You know, they, are, they live with them as, as, as utilities. But I feel incredibly Bullish about the place of PSBs generally, but particularly Channel 4 in that ecology. I mean, um, Alex and I recently um, gave evidence at a House of Lords Select Committee on future PSBs, and they'd done their own research on uh, how PSBs r- related, how young people related to PSBs. and And, and what they said was that Channel 4 was the one PSB that was really meaningful still to young audiences. Uh, and you know I looked at the top 30 young profiling shows in the last year, 22 of them are Channel 4 shows. So we are still making shows that really resonate with young audiences. Um, we're making shows that engage with the biggest issues in this country and really accessible ways. Those are not the kind of things that streamers are doing. We're, we're developing new talents in a way that streamers are not doing. There's a very, very clear role for us and one that I think viewers really value.
1: Well, let's, let's talk a, a more about the future. Um, 12 months ago, you said you wanted Channel 4 to be the most attractive, creative partner for producers. You said you wanted to be quicker, less interfering, communicate better. Um, You've made lots of changes to your commissioning team. You've mentioned some of them uh, already. Uh, Have you got your dream team in place, do you think, now?
2: Yes, I really do. I I can't tell you how proud uh, and excited I am about the team that we've got. Um, I'm I'm just full of admiration for them. And um, I was just telling you about the recent additions that we've made in the the nations and regions, and we've still got some roles to fill. i don't want to offend commissioners from any other broadcaster but i do think we've got the best commissioning team in the business yeah you
1: did just offend lots of them Uh, are you interfering less and communicating better it's a dramatic pause
2: (laughs) well I I always make the mistake of thinking about questions um uh, look i think when i think about the things that we said we would try and do last year i think we've really improved on some in some areas we've definitely speeded up some of our business processes I think we've speeded up some of our initial responses are there areas where I think indies are probably frustrated with our um, speed of response perhaps later down the line yes I think I think that's probably the case one of the things I plan to do in the autumn is to do a survey of indies to ask them how they think we're doing against the pledges that we made.
1: Let's meet some of your dream team, shall we now? Uh, let's welcome to the stage Head of Drama, Caroline Hollick, Head of Specialist, factual Fatima Solaria, and Head of Factual Entertainment, Al Laurie. I've been saying dead nice things about you. Um, Caroline, can we start with you? Just, just tell me, how's the past year felt for you and how are you going to be uh, addressing the next year? What, what kind of changes are we gonna see?
4: Well, this is my first year at Edinburgh as head of drama, so I'm completely terrified. Um, but it's been incredibly exciting so far. And uh, I think, and you know, I was in production for 20 years before I started working as a commissioner. and. I want to do the same things that I did as a producer. I want to make drama that people feel passionately about and want to watch. But I think the thing that makes Channel 4 drama so distinctive is it's always got a point of view. It's always got something to say. And I think if I want to talk about the dramas we've got coming up, the ones I've been really involved in since I started, they all share that. So we've got Deadwater Fell, which is by Daisy Coulomb, um, which is a crime drama starring David Tennant and Kush Jumbo which puts two marriages under the microscope after an incredibly violent act, but it's seen through Daisy's really distinctive female perspective. Um, I've also made a new announcement, which is Generation Z by Ben Wheatley, one of my favorite filmmakers, um, which takes a very urgent political issue, which is the generation gap between baby boomers and young people, but it looks at it through the prism of the zombie apocalypse. So basically, yeah. Yeah. who doesn't love a zombie apocalypse? So basically, baby boomers are infected with a mysterious virus. And the only people that can save us are a bunch of brave teenagers. I think the politics... Itching are clear. to see
1: some pictures um, for this. So yes, we've got, we've got a clip. What are we going to be seeing? So this is Adult Material
4: by Lucy Kirkwood, which is about uh, a woman getting a bit older, working in the adult film industry. I think pornography is something that uh, we, we all know about. We're all frightened of. Some people are maybe better acquainted with pornography than others. Um, but I think what Lucy's point of view is so clear, so feminist, so challenging in this drama. So, yeah, really excited to give you a sneak peek. This is, we've just finished filming, so it's not graded, it's, it's, it's early doors, but it's always exciting to get a little bit of a preview. It's hard to follow that. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> <laughs> um, Fatima Solaria, what are
1: your
5: priorities going to be in Specialist Factual? So, um, can I just pick up on some of your themes? I thought you were
1: like? going to pick up on asshole. So, that, no, no, uh, yes, I'm grateful. Themes Thefo are better. Yes, Definitely go. can't
5: pick up on that. Uh-huh. So, obviously not posh. Obviously not white. Obviously Defo didn't go to university. So, um, for me, all of those kind of values that me and Danny Horan kind of hold really dear to us is what we want factual and specialist factual to be. And picking up on that brilliant thing that um, Dorothy did last night... Um, all the themes of clever, difficult, challenging authority, kind of provoking debate, all the things that you know, Ian holds really dear to us, um, to himself and kind of pushes us on um, you know, the programmes that we want to commission. That is exactly what I want Specialist Actual to be. I want it to be the place where we can make really clever programmes, where we can really challenge all the social issues that are going on at the moment in society, where we can basically encompass all of that Channel 4 spirit that I left the BBC to come here for um, and really excited to be able to do that. But I think for me, it's kind of serving an audience um, in an entertaining way, but basically making programs that are clever, that are difficult, that have got brainy people, that have science at the core of it, that have history at the core of it, that have brilliant adventure programs like SAS and just continuing to build on that. Um, you know, we've announced Putin that we, we announced it yesterday and what I'm so excited about that, it's made by a small indie, it's Rogan, it's James Rogan. And um, what we've been able to do through that is take an extremely controversial figure um, and look at the way he has um, ruled that country and basically look at how that message has been exported out into the broader universal issues.
1: What is the clip that we are basically? So to the see clip here? that
5: I want to show now is um, it's a working title of What Makes a Murderer. It's a collaboration between Underworld and Dragonfly. Um, I've got to get it right, so I just need to read from this. this is, it's a clip from a guy called John Massey, who was um, shot a nightclub doorman at Point Blank Range. He served 43 years in prison. He's just come out a year ago. Um, we've got a professor, Professor Adrian Rain, who's put him inside an MRI scanner to see what his brain is like, and whether or not we can pinpoint what makes a murderer. So science at the core of it, um, with a documentary kind of layout, storytelling.
4: Thank
1: you. Finally to you, Alf. Um, How are you dialing up the difference, to quote your boss?
3: Um, Well, I'll come to that, I suppose it feels a bit like an Alcoholics Anonymous sort of session here. I am a posh, white, male bloke. Um, Some might think I'm not actually that posh, Um, not as posh as I sound, but um, Dorothy was kind enough to say there is still room in the industry for some of us. So uh, hopefully that includes me. Look, my job is to, find shows that will catch the imagination in some way. And historically at Channel 4, you, know, you think of Hunted or The Island, great leaps into the unknown for contributor and viewer. Or Grand Designs is a l- huge venture, this kind of epic venture of building a house from scratch. Or in the domestic sphere, you think of um, Married at First Sight, you know, which is an extraordinary dramatic premise for a series. And basically, we are looking for scale in an age when on the other channel there might be Game of Thrones. We're looking for big, bold ideas that might cut through. This week we've announced two things. One of them, actually picking up on your earlier is by a small indie in Brighton, uh, called Screen Dog. And it was two chaps, and they walked in the door and had an idea that I liked. And uh, it's very simple. It was putting 10 ordinary British people around Europe and inviting them to get back into the country without their passports. And that set off a series of very intense, clandestine journeys, and I hope.
1: Tell us us a little bit about the clip that we're
3: going to see. The clip is uh, the Secretary of Natural History from Voltage. It's the British tribe next door. And it was sort of loosely inspired by um, Hariri's book, Sapiens, actually, The History of Mankind. And it does sort of have big questions at its heart, but really it's about people and individuals and the relationships between them. And it takes a tiny sort of slice of British suburbia and juxtaposes it with a slightly bigger slice of sub-Saharan traditional tribal um, life. And these are two 21st century lifestyles, right? They coexist, and they're about as far away as they could be from each other, but they're both viable. They both have their own rewards and challenges. And part of the point of the series is to show a mirror on us. I should just say about this clip, the house is a complete replica of the Moffat family home. So the taps hot and cold water okay. We open the fridges fully stocked. Let's I take sense a look. your desire for me to wrap up. Yeah, Let's time,
1: see. time. <laughs> I know I know you had lots more you could tell us, but I'm sorry, time is very, very tight. Um, Ian, can we finish with a couple of thoughts from you? If there was one message you wanted to make sure people at this festival go forth with about Channel 4, what would it be?
2: Well, I think that that show that Elf, um, just you a bit of. It's is just a great example of what I think is absolutely best about Channel Four when it's humming, which is which is tackling these really big issues in an unbelievably uh, inventive, uh, unexpected way that will engage new audiences, different audiences to a straight piece of sort of po-faced documentary making. And I think if you think about the shows that we've talked about here this week about, about um, The Child Next Door, about, um, uh, we didn't talk a lot about the surgery, but lots of people have been. Mm. Um, these are shows that are really getting into big issues, I think, in unbelievably inventive and sometimes provocative ways. And I think that is public service. That's classic creative public service broadcasting. And that's what I want to see Channel 4 doing more of.
1: Finally, the big one. The really big one. Are you confident you will still be leading Channel Four this time next year?
2: Absolutely. Let's make a, let's make an appointment for this stage.
1: Okay. Be there or be square. Um, my thanks to Ian, to Caroline, Fatima, and Alf. Thank you all very very much for coming. <clears throat> Also, I must thank the sponsor, Commissioner Index, for sponsoring the session because without them this wouldn't happen. Enjoy the rest of your festival. Thank you very much.
0: And that's it for today. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with another edition of the Media Business Podcast in a few weeks' time. So hit subscribe on your podcast app of choice and tell your colleagues to give us a listen. Remember, you can catch up with all episodes of the Media Business Podcast at broadcastnow.co.uk. Enjoy the rest of your day.